0: week, Pastor Sam started a series. Give, uh, Give me this mountain. Who was who was here last week? Inspire and a vision night, and so it, it's a reference to a time in the Bible, the Old Testament, that the Jewish people had God had brought them out of Egypt, and they're about to go into the Promised Land. Uh, and and God sent uh, twelve spies, and two of them came back like, we can do it. Ten of them came back like, no, it's too hard, too scary. And so this whole generation perished. It's like they'd got enough of God to come out, but they hadn't got enough of God to go in to what God had for them. And they basically spent their lives wandering around going nowhere. I don't know about you, but I don't want to do that. And so then when they finally go in, two guys, two people out of over a million adults goes in. And then Caleb as an old man, 85-year-old stands up and says, when I was a young man, God promised me that mountain. Now give it to me. I want to take it. It's my inheritance. That's a pretty inspiring story, eh? And and, and here's the thing for me. It's like uh, Exodus says that there were over six hundred thousand men came out. I assume the similar number of women. That's why I say over one point two million adults. Two, two got hold of what God had for them. Now we often talk about one in a million. So this is two out of one. Two out of one point two million managed to take hold of what God had for them. Probably worthwhile trying to figure out what was so special about them, right? Because I don't know about you, but I don't want to be the guy that wanders around knowing that there was something more, but I never got it. And it's like, I wonder, like, is it because they were bigger, they were braver, they were smarter, they were more intelligent? What was it about, what defined them? And uh, Pastor Sam, no, it's not gonna work, guys, so if you can flick up the next one, that would be good. Uh, Pastor Sam brought this up uh, because my servant Caleb has a different spirit oh that's good news it wasn't their natural abilities they just carried a different spirit it's like maybe I could learn what that is maybe I could pick that up maybe I could get that same spirit in me that meant I'm part of the two not part of the other million that never go in it's like okay I want to I what was the spirit that they carried and then if you flick up the next one it, it kind of it says flick up the next one it just says this, he follows me wholeheartedly. Like, I don't know about you, but that is disturbingly simple. Like, is that it? Like, is, is, that, is that really the deal breaker? Like, 1,999,998 followed God to some level, somewhere between 0 and 99%. Two guys followed him wholeheartedly and took hold of what? Like, is that it? And, and what does that even mean to follow? Like, it, surely it's gotta be something more sophisticated than that, more complex than that. Then these guys, they just followed God wholeheartedly. But I, when Pastor Sam was preaching uh, last week, as he was putting up scriptures, it's like, it keeps coming up. I don't know if you noticed, To look up the next one. Uh, when he says, uh, uh The Lord's anger was aroused and he swore this, talking about the others, because they have not followed me wholeheartedly, not one of those will enter the land. But down the bottom, no one except Caleb and Joshua, for they followed the Lord wholeheartedly. God says this, 1,999,998, not wholehearted. Two guys, wholehearted. I probably want to figure out what this is about. It carries on, another one. Next one, uh, next one. Deuteronomy, when Moses kind of speaking to them, when the Lord heard what you said, he was angry, so long he swore no one from this evil generation so the good, good shall see the good land I swore to give your ancestors, except Caleb, he will see it, and I will give him, him and his descendants a land he set his feet on. Why? Because he followed the Lord wholeheartedly. It's kind of hard to miss it. And then if you flick up the next one, when they actually get into the land, this is when he's an old man, and now the people of Judah approached him, and Caleb comes to him, and he says, You know what the Lord said to to Moses, the man of God, blah, 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 when I was 40 years old? Down in uh, five or so lines from the bottom. I, however, followed the Lord my God wholeheartedly. So on that day Moses swore to me, The land on which your feet have walked will be your inheritance, and that of your children forever, because you have followed the Lord my God wholeheartedly. You, like, oh my goodness! Like, is that it? Like, this is the deal breaker issue. All you got to do is follow God wholeheartedly, and nothing's impossible. And you'll take like, what does that even like? I don't know about you, but I was like, that is so simple. But like, what does that mean? That so few got it? Like, they had seen God do things. They were keen to get out, but but. Basically, God said, Yeah, but that wasn't wholehearted. And so they never took hold of what I had for them. And two people, not more clever, not more skilled, not more resources, they just followed me wholehearted. And nothing's impossible. I don't know about you, but I, I can I can kind of see faith arising and people like, I want to be that guy. I want to be that one, I want to be the one that follows God wholehearted because it unlocks something in our destiny, unlocks something in the purpose of God or the heart of God. Like, I want to find out what that is. And, and, and there's enough, if you flick up in the next one, there's a verse that kind of helps understand it. So uh, it says, you know, when they brought back the report, um, Uh, And the other 10 said, no, we can't do it. It's too scary. And Caleb and Joshua stand up. And and, um, they say that, yeah, we can do it. And then verse nine, this gives you a clue. Only do not rebel against the Lord and do not be afraid of the people of the land. See, here's the deal. He said, like, there's two competing agendas here. There's two competing kingdoms. There's God's agenda and there's these enemies that occupy the land. And here's the deal you are gonna annoy one of those. You are gonna disappoint one of those. You're gonna frustrate one of those. Your heart is gonna bend to one of those. And you either are going to wholeheartedly go with what God said you can do, and you're gonna annoy the powers that currently hold that thing, or you are gonna bend your will out of fear, out of intimidation, out of disappointment, and you're gonna frustrate the purpose of God but your heart is gonna engage with one or the other. And the only thing that's different about these two, we wholeheartedly follow God. We don't care about other agendas. We don't care about other purposes. Our life is not gonna be dictated by fear of other powers that currently control the destiny that God has for us. God said he's gonna do it. We trust his heart. It's gonna be good. We're gonna do it. That's what wholehearted look like. Jesus picked this up. Look at the next one. He said this: If you up, no one can serve two masters. You'll either hate the one and love the other. You'll be devoted to the one or despise the other. You cannot serve God and the and the powers of this world that currently lay hold of your destiny. All you got, which one you're going to serve? Which one are you going to accommodate? Which one are you going to bow your knee to? Caleb and Joshua. We do what God said. So we're gonna annoy a whole lot of other things that currently hold our destiny. Click up the next one, do you see? If you go back, this is your, don't rebel against the Lord, don't be afraid. There are two powers out there, there are two kingdoms out there. You're gonna annoy one of them. You're gonna frustrate one of them, you're gonna disappoint one of them. You just have to decide which one your heart is gonna go for. Click on the next one. It's interesting. A number of years ago, I heard this sermon by Brian Houston from Hillsong, and he said, you know, when people talk about the promises of God and the purpose of God and the destiny of God, see if I I can shift this without dropping anything. They uh, they often have this picture of like there's this big present with this big bow on it. And my role is just go and pull the bow and it kind of falls open, and there it is. My future in God. And he's like, no, that's not how it works. And he flick up, he flick up the next thing. He says, It's more like this. It's more like, it's more like, like there's these big, ugly orc armies defending these big castles. And it's like, I'm going to have to go and fight for it. But we kind of have this, like, it's just kind of all going to, like, oh, if it's God, it's just going to land in my lap. And i like, wow, this is beautiful. It's all going to come. But God, so it's all just going to happen. He's like, No, no. Like, seriously, what planet do you live on? (laughs) Thinking, because our worldview, we live in a planet in which there are opposing kingdoms, and God has a purpose for you, but everything good that God has for you is at this time locked up by powers and principalities that don't want you to have it, and you're going to have to take it off them and you're gonna have to commit to a battle. You know, if you flick up up the next one, it's interesting, you can kinda see, flick up the next one, why they thought this. You know, if you go back and read the account, as soon as God brought them out, he goes, you know, I'm bringing you into a land flowing with milk and honey. A land flowing with milk and honey. Flick up the next one. This is as they're going on this journey. Next one. Exodus 13, a land flowing with milk and honey. Exodus 33, a land flowing with milk and honey. One more, next one. A land flowing with milk and I don't know if you heard like God just over every time you pray, you know where I'm taking, I'm land with milk and honey, I'm land with milk and honey. I'm land with, I don't know what you imagine. I would imagine it was something like this. Flick up the next one. It kind of sounds like a scene, don't you think? Like there's just gonna be sugar and l- like that. Doesn't it sound like that? That's where we're headed. It's just gonna be amazing. It's like pull the bow and there I am. I just got the gold ticket. I just won the chocolate factory. But again, it's, if you flick up the next one, no, it's more like this. Oh, and you see this, like you told us we were going to a land of milk and honey and there's big ugly giants there. Like, you didn't tell us. And th- if you read the account of the spies, this was the problem. Flick out the next one. Uh, this, is, this was the problem. You know, they go, we went into the land which you sent to, and it does flow with milk and honey. But the people who live there are powerful. The cities are fortified and very large. We even saw descendants of Anak there. Those are giants. Like, it is a land of milk and honey, but it's currently owned by someone else who's really ugly and scary and doesn't want to give it to me. And here's the issue, God has a wonderful purpose for you, but it's too scary. I believe God's given me a vision for business, but I just, I'm locked in shame. God's given me this plan, but I'm struggling with this. It's all about the, the whole, the difference between the wholehearted is there's no but. God said it, it's good. I know about that, but there's no but. people. They knew God had something good for them, but but it's just too scary. And so I'm gonna accommodate the agenda of this other kingdom, and I'm gonna disappoint God, and I'm gonna miss out on my destiny. And I'm gonna bow my heart to something that doesn't want me to take hold of what God's got for me. It's like, wow, like is it that simple? If you flick up the next one. You know, if uh, we, you know, be clear. Like Joshua, he says, or Caleb's this old guy. He gives him the city, verse 14, Hebron. It belonged to him. Verse 15, Hebron used to be called this name after Abba who was the greatest man among the Anakites. They were giants. He's like, the, the good thing that God promised Caleb that he held on to was actually owned by the biggest, ugliest giant that ever lived. He's like, yeah, it's mine though. I'm going to take it off him. It's a great place. It's going to be awesome. I just have to deal with the giant, and then it's going to be wonderful. Oh, I'm up for it, you know. And, and then when you go on the next one, when he actually got there, uh, by then, verse 15, Caleb drove out the three Anakites. I I can't. Um, blah, 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 the sons of. An- by the time he, this guy had now had three sons. It's not just one big ugly giant. There's three of them. And Caleb's like, God promised me this place. God said it's gonna be a wonderful place. I see past the obstacles. I see past the giants. I see past the defenses. And I see the purpose of God that God's had for me. And if God has promised me, we can do this. But I get that it's gonna be a fight. I get that I'm gonna to have to overcome stuff. And 1,998,998 people said, too hard. Too hard. I'll just miss out on what God's got for me because it's too hard, too scary, too much. Yeah, it's a land flowing with milk and honey, but. And today, something's gotta rise up in us that says I'm up for the fight. God has got good things for me. And not just for me, there's something good for my family for my community, for my business, and, and I'm determined to unlock, I'm not gonna settle for 50% because I don't wanna rock the boat, I don't wanna, it's just too hard. And if you're gonna say, give me that mountain, you're saying it to God, but you're also saying it to some other ugly things that currently own that mountain. And it's, you say, it's mine, God gave it to me, you're gonna go down. Look at the next one. Um, it's uh, interesting, you know, when Joshua comes to make his claim. You know, he's old man, stands up, you know, just as the Lord promised, kept me alive these 45 years. So here I am today, 85 years old. I'm still as strong today as the day Moses sent me up. That's probably a bit of wishful thinking. But anyway, he's, all right, he's allowed to. He's an old guy. Uh, you know, and then, so then now, verse 12, now give me the mountain. So here's the first... It's not like a walk, it's a mountain, it's a hill. So yeah, you're going to have to be strong. There are going to be obstacles. But even beyond that, he said this, I'm just as vigorous to go out to battle now as I was then. Yeah, you yourself heard the Anakites are there and their cities were large, but the Lord helping me, I will drive them out. Come on. I'm ready for a fight. I know that they're there, but with God's help, we are gonna do this. We are gonna overcome. We are gonna break through. We are gonna push back the bounds. I'm up for a fight. He's 85 years old. Come on, where's the people who have come on? Like, I'm I'm not gonna settle for what God's doing to my family. I'm not gonna settle for what He's doing to our city. Come on, there's something better that I wanna take possession of, and I'm up for a fight. I'm up for a battle. My heart is wholeheartedly for God. I don't care that there's another agenda that doesn't want me to take hold of this. I'm not gonna let my heart accommodate to that because the moment I do, my heart is pulled back a bit from God. You can't serve two masters. You're gonna annoy one of them, you're gonna disappoint one of them. Why not frustrate the hell out of the devil and unlock heaven in your world and bring a smile to the face of God? It's really kind of as simple as that. Look up the next one. So, um. I want to talk about spiritual warfare today. And, and C.S. Lewis, who wrote the book The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe, he wrote another book called The Screwtape Letters, which is a fictional letters between a junior demon and a senior demon. And he kind of uses it as satire to us to learn about how we deal with temptation. But at the start of the, le- uh, start of the book, he says this, there are two equal and opposite errors into which our race can fall about the devils. One is to disbelieve in their existence, the other is to believe and to feel an excessive and unhealthy interest in them. They themselves are equally pleased by both errors and hail a materialist or a magician with the same delight. And it's like, we probably all know people are like, oh, they see demons everywhere, and the devil's told me, oh, I'm really under spiritual attack. And it's like, man, just chill out. Go watch a movie, eat a pizza or something. Like, get a life. (laughs) It's not that bad. Uh, But the danger probably for more of us is we've swung so far the other way that we forget that your destiny is contested. You are in a battle for this thing. Now, it's not a battle between God and the devil. You know, God's the uncreated creator. The devil is a creature just like us. But we are in a battle there. And, and, you know, and there's twice as many angels as demons. So if you see demons everywhere, how come you're not seeing the angel armies that are backing the purposes of God? And it's not all demons. Sometimes it's just your flesh. You know, there's no demon of potato chips trying to control your life. Like, you just need to not eat them. (laughs) So, yeah, but... But it's like, I just feel like like I I just want to, part of the thing, give me that mountain, is we do need a realistic sense of the part that this plays in laying hold of the mountain of God. So if you look at the next one, I just want to talk about three different dimensions of spiritual warfare. You need to do the work in your life to close the door. I'll unpack what this means. We need, I believe God's re-engaging our church with prayer and corporate prayer. And we need to understand that it often calls us to do strategic acts in the opposite spirit. So first one, do the work to close the door. Flick up the next one. It's interesting uh, when, when Paul talks about this whole thing of spiritual warfare, you know, be strong in the Lord, put on the full armor of God so you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. The devil has schemes to stop you. God has a wonderful plan for your life. The devil has a plan for you not to get there. So I better take a stand. Again, which one is your heart going to accommodate? God's plans or the devil's schemes? You're going to go with one of those. And so he says, our struggle is not against flesh and blood but against rulers, authorities, powers of the dark world, against spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. I am in a battle with spiritual powers that don't want me to lay hold of the good things that God has for me, my marriage, my family, my ministry, my future, your work, your career, your community, your town, your nation, this world. We are in a struggle with that. Is that kind of news to some people? That was a bit like, like they don't want good things to come your way. And so his response, though, if you flick up the next one, he says, famous passage, put on the whole full armor of God. So when the day of evil comes, you can stand. And so verse 14, stand firm with the belt of truth, the breastplate of righteousness, and carries on, carries on. And a lot of people are, oh, these are magical. I put on the belt of truth. I put on. It's like, don't be stupid. It's, it's like, what it means is like commit to living in truth commit to living in righteousness, commit to living in peace, commit to living in faith, when you do that, the devil can't touch you. And it's like, I gotta do the work of this thing. You know, Paul picks this up. If you flick up the next one, you know, he'll go, um, in your anger, do not sin. Do not let the sun go down while you're still angry. Do not give the devil a foothold. It's like, it's no good praying against The devil's attack on my family. It's like you deal with the anger because while you're angry, it gives them a foothold in your life. You know, he picks up another similar one. Next one. Look up the next one. Anyone you forgive, I forgive. What I've forgiven, if there was anything to forgive, I've forgiven in the sight of Christ for your sake. In order that Satan might not outwit us, we're not unaware of his schemes. My job is to deal with offense, bitterness, hurt, sin, because then the devil can't get a foothold in my life. Do the work to close the door. Do the work to close the door. You know, when, um, when uh, Christine and I were kind of fairly newly married, a little baby, we went to the Philippines um, for three years with kind of not part of any mission organization or anything, we just went. And in one sense it was great, but in another sense it was a disaster. And we came back after three years just incredibly broken and basically on the verge of divorce. And uh, we applied for this mission o- agency and they just said, nah, you guys, yeah, you're passionate, you're committed, but man, you guys need to, you, you guys need to do some work on your marriage. Now, I remember one night uh, waking up in the middle of the night in our bedroom and, and looking up and seeing above our door at the end of this room, this big, ugly, kind of evil spirit that kind of had this big wound, like it carried woundedness and hurt, uh, like a big, ugly Jabba the hut kind of thing. And, uh, it's true, I it was there, I was sitting over our door. And I felt the Holy Spirit say to me, uh, the devil's strategy to take you out of mission is to destroy your marriage. And I was like, oh my goodness. But here's the thing, luckily there were some clever people around us who said, no, you can't go back to the Philippines yet, you need to stay here for a year and you need to do marriage counseling. And I was like, no! And Christine was like, finally someone's listened. <laughs> Uh, and uh, But we were living in New Plymouth then. That was our home church. And like this was the days before there were good Christian counselors. and stuff. So we, used to, we found a good person down in Palmerston North. So once a fortnight, two little kids, we used to jump in the car, drive three and a half hours to go and have an hour marriage counseling and then drive home again three and a half hours. We did that for a year. And then they extended and did it by 18 months. So <laughs> one of us had issues. It's not easy to work out which one. Uh, but... Um, I oh, met my wife. But the interesting thing is, you know, when we went back to the Philippines, we went to a much more difficult environment, much more oppressive, and it didn't get to us then. There was no point going, oh, my marriage is under attack because there's an evil spirit at the end of my bed. It's like, get in the car and go to counseling and sort your marriage out. Do the business. Do the business that closes the door. Come on, do the work that shuts the devil out of your life. Uh, you know, a few weeks ago in the discipline I don't know if you got that. Do the work to close the door. Your job is re- take out the foothold. Your job is close the opening. That the de- if the devil's in there, it's because you're giving him an opening. Sort the issue out, and he's got nothing to land on. You know, a few weeks ago, in the discipline um, week around the um, inside out thing, they had a great panel here at night, and they did, Pastor Ed, and they did, you know, physical, spiritual financial relational and i was thinking about it this week and i was thinking like it's interesting the way that we approach like relational, financial, spiritual, is often different to the physical. It's like, oh yeah, I could go, oh yeah, my marriage is under attack from the, devil. Lord, I'm just praying for a victory. Or, oh my, I'm under a you know, spirit of poverty, generational curse, I'm just praying for a breakthrough, and you know, da da da, da. But you, it's like with the physical, you wouldn't be sitting there in the chair with your big bucket of KFC chicken Go, oh, I just rebuked the generational curse of obesity. <laughs> Would you? It's like, get out of the chair and go for a walk. Like, do the work to close the door. <laughs> it's like, do the work to close the door. So the devil hasn't got a foothold in your life. Okay, I'm glad you like that. That's a bit better. Okay, next one. Part of spiritual warfare is like, Pastor Sam talks about sometimes we've gotta come down off the hill and go through the valley to take our mountain. Bill Hybels talks about the tunnel of chaos. It's like, yeah, actually my marriage is a mess. I gotta go, we gotta get some help. My fa- finance is a mess. I gotta, I gotta walk through this chaos to sort this stuff out. I gotta, I gotta get some help on some stuff. It's not all good. And I'm sick of, my, of that making me vulnerable to the enemy's attack. I'm gonna walk through the tunnel of chaos, I'm gonna do the work to close the door. But you know, the second thing I just wanna talk about is the place of prayer. And I, I just feel like God is God is restoring an amazing passion for prayer in Equippus, uh, and led by Pastor Sam. And it's like, just, reco- you know, the place of prayer. And as soon as we under, because someone said prayerlessness, is the ultimate sign of independence from God. It's the ultimate arrogance. It's like, I got this. I can do this. Prayer immediately says, I need you, God, and I need you to move in my life. You know, and just, uh, Pastor Sam and Pastor Bruce both talked recently about just kind of daydreaming and letting God download stuff. I believe that, the, I believe God showed me this week that there are businessmen and professional people in here. If, if you will just go and lie on your bed and daydream, God will download plans and designs and schemes and business ideas and strategies. And, and it's like, I want to X factor in what I do. I, I want to connect. Prayer sounds so spiritual kind of, doesn't it? Like, if you, if you say, oh, I spent an hour in prayer last night, that's like, whoa. If you say, oh, I just lay on the bed and daydreamed. But that's what you need to do, connect with God. But this whole thing of prayer, flick up the next one. You know, I, I, uh, I, you know the Ephesians, the armor of God thing, You know, be strong in the Lord, struggle's not against flesh and blood. Next one is the whole armor of God thing. And then we normally finish at verse 17. But look at the next one. Next one, and, and means this is still part of the same discussion. Yeah, put on all that armor, like deal with the stuff and pray like and pray and no you didn't get like and pray if I'm gonna move forward it's like I am pray and more than that and pray in the spirit look. On all occasions, with all kinds of prayers. Like, come on, this is a major part of Christian living. We live in a kingdom. I gotta connect with God. I gotta connect in prayer, in all kinds of prayer, on all kinds of occasions, because I wanna unlock heaven and I wanna take back some stuff that the enemy's currently holding from me. You know, and pray for me. Paul knows he needs prayer. Flick up in the next one. You know, he, uh, in Colossians, devote yourselves to prayer why because there's a purpose of god for my life but there's a kingdom that's resisting it and so yeah i'll strategize i'll work but i'm gonna pray because i want to see something shift in my world no no, you'll you get it sometime, you get it soon we gotta pray you know and and, and just being watchful and thankful again thankful we kind of get, but being watchful, it's like, I'm act- when I pray, I'm actually accessing a realm of reality that I'll pick up stuff like, hey, I just noticed there's a little spirit, attitude, spirit coming into our family. We don't want that. kind on, Lord, we're not having that coming in our family. There's something that's just coming into our school. No, we're not having that. No, I'm I'm seeing things coming and I'm resisting it. I'm seeing enemies that are stopping us and, and I'm pushing it back. And not only that, I'm also seeing when God's bringing something and I'm going, yes, God, this is about to happen. Come on, bring it on. I know what you're doing. I can align my life. But if I'm not praying, I'm not hearing what God is doing and I'm not being aware of the devil's scheme and I'm just blundering around. And it's like, man, I wanna be watchful and you know, and pray for us too, again prayer. If you go on the next one, he talks about one of his workers, Epaphras, who is one of you. He sends, He is always wrestling in prayer for you. And ch- how much am I wrestling in prayer for my kids and my family, for my workplace, for my city? Rest. What does wrestling mean? It means I'm contending. It means when I pray, it's not all just pop the bow and it falls open. It means there's resistance. See, your future is a contested future. Your purpose is a contested purpose, your destiny is a contested, there are powers defending it that don't want you to step into it. You're gonna have to pray and, and, and when you pray, you feel like you're butting up against something and you say, God, how do I pray? And I keep praying till something breaks and then I see it happen. I, I'm, uh, I just let me share a story that I, I hope doesn't upset, uh, because I know it doesn't always work like this, but I remember when Christine and I were pastors of a, of a church and there was a young couple in there and the, the wife had a number of miscarriages. They were trying to have children. They couldn't. And it, there was always this hurt and grief. And one day before a Sunday service, um, uh, Christine came up to me and said, oh, they've just had another miscarriage. And something in me just right, rose up and I walked up to this woman and said, I'm going to fast one day a week till you we have a baby. And then, it, you know those moments you go, what a stupid thing to say. <laughs> like, I'm gonna have this awkward conversation when she's 50 and got to menopause, and like, you know, and you think, and how, like, is it all right if I stop fasting now? Because I really, <laughs> I really don't think it's gonna happen. But it was like, just one day, it was only one meal on a one day a week, actually. It wasn't a big deal. But it was like, after a year, it's like I felt something break, something unlocked. And about six months later, she got pregnant, and now they've got two little kids. But it's like, I know it doesn't always work like that, but it's like, come on. There are times when you just go, oh, well, it mustn't have been God's will. It's like, come on, wrestle in prayer. Contend in prayer. Contest things. Flick up the next one. Um, Famous story in the Old Testament. He. the amalekites came attacked the israelites moses said to joshua choose some of your men go out to fight them tomorrow i'll stand on the top of the hill with the staff of god in my hands kind of sounds like he got the good option really but anyway so most no yeah next one that's good joshua fought them as moses had ordered moses and aaron and Hur went to the top of the hill as long as moses held up his hands the israelites were winning whenever he lowered his hands the amalekites were winning when moses's hands grew tired they took a stone put it under him and he sat on it aaron and Hur held his hands up one on one side, one on the other, so that his hands remained steady till sunset. So Joshua overcame the Amalekite army with the sword." It's like, man, your life needs to be operating on two Yeah, you need to be in there doing the strategy, working, but there's gotta be a place where you're up on the mountain going, God, you gotta move. God, you gotta move. God, there's something stopping. God, we need to see a breakthrough. God, I need to see a download from heaven. And it's like the both and. And just like in the past maybe too many people were like in their prayer closet playing for a revival and not getting out running youth hubs and doing stuff. I feel like now most of us have swung the other way. We're really good hard workers for the kingdom, but where's the people standing on the mountaintop, going, oh, we need a move of God. Come on, we need a sovereign. Come on, there's an, you just need to pick up that anointing some of you. Come on, there's a prayer anointing that's been stirred up in our church. Come on, we wanna see Auckland transformed. Some people have got to be standing on the mountaintop contending for that in prayer. Look at the next one. A really interesting story in Daniel. Uh, This is an angel comes to Daniel. He said, don't be afraid, Daniel. So Daniel had been fasting and praying for three weeks. Nothing had happened. This angel comes to him. Don't be afraid. Since the first day you set your mind to gain understanding, to humble yourself before your God, your words were heard, and I have come in response to them. But... But the prince of the Persian kingdom, that's not not a literal king, that's a spiritual power. The prince of the Persian kingdom resisted me 21 days. Then Michael, he's the prince over uh, Israel, one of the chief princes came to help me because I was detained. Now, you don't want to overdo this, but there is this dimension. God is on a throne, we're down here, but between us and him, there's a battle going on. And we throw our weight into that by our prayer. Come on, there's a battle your future is being contested. It is being contended with. There's a battle going, not between God, but between a kingdom that currently doesn't want you to take hold of the good thing, doesn't want to see heaven unlocked on earth. The devil hates you because God likes you. And the devil, is he can't create anything. All he can do is vandalize the purpose of God in your life. And so he's, and he knows that he's lost. He know so he's in the last ditch battle just to cause as much damage as he can and mess up other people's lives like his. And it's like, it's contended. It's contested. Look up the next one. Final uh, kind of thing. If, if we've got to do the work to close the door, if we've got to praise, often those come together in a sense that there's often strategic things that God calls us to do, that once we know that there are spiritual powers of a certain nature, often the key is understanding them and doing something in the opposite spirit because they have no power and suddenly they're subverted. They feel like this big powerful thing but when when you understand the opposite spirit of the kingdom, it's like they've got nothing, they can't touch you and they can't resist you. Let me me show you. Jesus talked about this. Next one. Um, You have heard it was said, eye for eye, tooth for tooth. I tell you, don't resist an evil person. Someone slaps you on the right cheek, turn the other cheek, if someone wants to sue you, take your shirt, hand it over. It's like, don't buy into the same spirit. Like, deliberately come in an opposite spirit. Next one, does it again. Uh, Next one. Look, bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. Do not overcome. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. Listen, your job is to unlock an opposite spirit. You know, it was interesting. Um, three minutes. Uh, the um, I was I was speaking at a church a few years ago. i had been involved in, right next to a university, and every time I was there, oh, we should probably, you know, great opportunity at the university. We should probably do something, but nothing ever happened. After a couple of years, I was like. I wonder if there's something like there's a spiritual issue here that's stopping them. As soon as I prayed, I just felt like there was this spiritual rage against this church. I was like, oh my goodness. And then I just felt God say they just need a they just need to serve in humility. And it's like this whole thing dissipated. And it's like and then you put the then you kind of work it out. You go, oh, yeah, university pride, arrogance. It's like you could rise up. Oh, yeah, we're going to have apologetics lesson. We're going to show them that we've got the answers. But you're just buying into the same spirit of pride. But you go, actually, you know what? We're going to come underneath and we're going to serve. And it's like it just, it just evaporates. You know, I love uh, Pastor Bruce and Helen and Pastor Sam often talk about the sense, You know, in Auckland, there's the spirit of pride and prominence. It's always been the biggest and the best. And so why did the open heaven work? because it wasn't about anyone getting pride or prominence. It wasn't about names. They came in an opposite spirit, and it just opened heaven. Like, we need to start to learn to operate in, in an opposite spirit. Uh, you guys can play something if you like. <laughs> I just want to read a... I, didn't, I haven't got a slide on this, but um, flick up the next one. So there's a famous prayer called the Prayer of St. Francis. It says this. Lord, make me an instrument, maybe you can stand and uh, maybe just close your eyes or raise a hand at her. It's like, just begin to, maybe, yeah. God has got a wonderful dream for you. He's got a mountain he wants you to take. But currently it belongs to someone else. Who doesn't want you to have it you know it's interesting uh one of the students was telling me after the vision night you know pastor sam just encouraged people to dream and he was saying i just saw this vision of a city i just believe god's calling me to reach a city i was like that's awesome and he goes yeah but it was covered in this cloud I'm like, what do you mean like a dark spiritual presence it's like welcome to the world of caleb god's promised me a city it's currently covered in a cloud i'm going to take it for god I'm going to have to sort the stuff out in my own life to close the door. I'm going to have to pray. But do you know what? Every part of my world, I'm going to walk in and unleash and unlock an opposite spirit. And this is what St. Francis said, Lord, make me an instrument of your peace. Where there is hatred, let me sow love. Where there is injury, pardon. Where there is doubt, faith. Where there is despair, hope. Where there is darkness, light and where there is sadness, joy. O oh, divine master, grant that I may not so much seek to be consoled as to console, to be understood as to understand, to be loved as to love. For it is in giving that we receive, it is in pardoning that we are pardoned, and it is in dying that we're born to eternal life. Con, you have a mandate from heaven to go and unlock the spirit of heaven into your world in places held by powers of pride unlock humility and service in places of despair unlock hope in places of woundedness unlock healing come on that's the mandate and the devil can't touch you when you unlock the opposite spirit of the kingdom of heaven into your world Come on, this is a moment that God is looking for a generation that rises up and say, give me that mountain. I want to take it back, not just for me, but for the people currently being held captive in there. Come on, I want them to step into purpose and destiny and freedom. Come on, and I'm willing to pay the price because I'm going to serve God wholeheartedly. And I say, give me that mountain. Come on, give me the mountain, God. Come on, I want to see the devil defeated. I want to see something rise up.